Mm-hmm. Be willing to pivot. Be willing to learn from your failures. Failure is not a failure; it's just a lesson that life throws you to learn. And if you don't learn it, we just hitting you until you learn it. So I start seeing that as well. Just be willing to pivot, be humble, and keep learning. Hey everybody! Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Job Title podcast. I'm your host, Cesar Romero, and in this podcast, we share the stories of underrepresented tech professionals, founders, executives, who have broken barriers, achieved remarkable milestones. And the goal here is whether you're seeking inspiration, mentorship, or strategies to advance your career, this is the go-to resource. Especially if you are someone from an underrepresented background. And this week, I find myself at SASTER, the 2023 SASTER conference in San Francisco. And it's been a bit of a challenge trying to take everything in and do, the, do this podcast. But we got it done, and I'm excited to get this out to you guys. And my guest for this episode is Emma Lowe. And in this episode, We talked about Emma's background and pivoting from being a cancer researcher and running a successful business. And we talked about her, her time growing up in Taiwan, moving to Canada and becoming cancer research, making the pivot into business, her love for photography, why it's not enough to run experiments, the power of pivoting and learning from failures and so much more. So I'm excited to share this episode with you guys. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you have any feedback or any comments, please reach out to me via DMs. I do this for you guys because I'm really passionate about diversity in tech. And it's important to share the stories of other successful underrepresented professionals that have achieved amazing milestones. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. And here's my conversation with Emma Lowe. Emma, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I wanted to start off with your time growing up in in Taiwan. And I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite memory that you have? growing up in Taiwan, childhood memory, or yeah, let's start there. My childhood memory in Taiwan was actually playing fireworks with my cousin. Really? And, <laughs> yeah, my grandparents have a big um, rice farm. Hmm. And you can imagine that out in the country, rice farm, all you can see in the traditional little yard or um, the one level, kind of those old houses. Yeah. Our cousin will gather together and boys gonna be boys. We have guard dogs and they will just put those firecrackers in a can and try to scare the dogs or doing some stupid things. It's amazing. Yeah. It's I always find the childhood memories that we keep, we carry those throughout our lives, those moments that bring us joy. Is there anything that you learn throughout your time in Taiwan? Perhaps values that were instilling you or Things that, that you took from your own life, you know, once you into the next stage. 
I feel like I've been taking my convenience for granted. In Taiwan, you can have your metro car and pay for transportation, even bubble tea or convenience store or those things or pay your parking tickets, all these things with just one card. And I never oh, wow. thought, <laughs> yeah, I never thought I needed to bring my credit card or anything. It's just the convenience of living in Taiwan. Every corner, there's a 7-Eleven convenience store. And there you can basically stay there all day, not being bored. Do all your, yeah, pay your bills, book books, a sitting area, lunch, dinner, whatever. And, but when move out to Canada, it's just like, oh, wow. I didn't realize that internet was so important. The price of the cell phone, the cell plans and anything that around technology and convenience is so much different life experience. You live in yeah. two different countries. Yeah. Convenience, man. It's a double-edged sword, right? Because we as humans, we want convenience, but it can make makes us more vulnerable. Now, I'm curious. So if you were to lose that car, so what would happen in Taiwan? Like, you could you pay for things or do you have to get another one? <laughs> like, what was it's, that? Uh, it's, it's actually you can tie to your credit card, tie to your phone. Mm-hmm. Like, now it's getting... That that pay system, also another thing I realized in Taiwan. So you must have heard of WeChat, right? And mm-hmm. in that WeChat kind of messenger yeah. environment, you have stores, you can pay, you can communicate. The same thing in Taiwan, we have Line, which is actually originally from Japanese, like Japan. Mm-hmm. Line is a messenger. There is like Line characters. They have their own like products. Mm-hmm. And main communication, but now you can actually have a line pay. Those digital pay system now tie to your messenger and now ties to doing more and more. The convenient factor is coming back. You're not only living on your car, but now you're living off your phone. That's wild. Yeah. It's the digital experience really is really different. And that's Mm -hmm. something I bring back from Taiwan that I look into other products or service here Mm -hmm. in Canada or the North America. I'm curious why hasn't that been adopted on this side of the world, right? Because it seems like that's something that would be very convenient, right, to for a lot of people and and for the government too, I guess. It's about security and infrastructure, mm. what we have now. Do you remember when those iPhones have the NFT payment and having yeah. Apple Pay or Google Pay was such a big deal? It was. <laughs> yeah. I think there's more, of course, there's more security and the adoption of the technology is still there. And maybe you could take a couple of years, I would say, yeah. to us to adopt that. What, yeah. what prompted the move to Canada? At what point did you move from Taiwan to, to, to Canada? And, and what was the journey like? That, it all started with, I came to, to Canada for my graduate study. Mm-hmm. And... My previous life is as a cancer researcher. So I basically gone from undergrad, graduate study, all around the cancer research, drug development. That was my main study. Got a scholarship at Queen's. So that's the reason I moved here. You can't, yeah. So through, through the, the scholarship, you, you moved to Canada. Yes, yeah. And cancer research, what prompted that? Did you always know that you wanted to pursue that as an academic path? In career path, or, or was there a pivotal moment where you realized, you know what, I think I want to give cancer research a try? 
my first wow moment was seeing a glowing purple mice in, in the lab at Princeton University. So that was one. When I was really young, we actually were living in Princeton, New Jersey, and then moved back to Taiwan. But why cancer? That's because I have family members mm. who are, died of cancer. And my, I have a really close relationship with my aunt. Mm-hmm. It was that, that feeling of that you can't control. You see somebody really close to you going through all the treatment, medicine, when um, the breast cancer, my test is such a bone cancer, and she was gone within a year. So mm-hmm. you feel that helplessness and you just want to do something. So life sciences, life science, want to be a life scientist, want to do something in cancer, and thought I will cure cancer today and have my... <laughs> And being some, somebody in helping in a very, create the best cancer drug of the world. That was my childhood dream. That's kind of where I came in. I have been very fortunate to work with a lot of great supervisor, professors. Throughout. Mm-hmm. And one of them is actually, I'm going to say in Chinese, Chen Jianren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was actually in public health. So instead of me working in the little lab, like on my bench, he actually opened the eye to how the contribution of science and how things are working in society or in the environment of pub, um, public health. Put that in. So he actually opened my eye to a kind of broader, like the cross-department collaboration. What what my my contribution to society or how this works. And... Yes, smoking can cause lung cancer. Or yes, the mm-hmm. polluted water will cause stuff this. All these things that you have to have different fields collaborate together to actually not just a single, you yourself have like a drip in the big ocean, but can see a ripple effect of different fields. Yeah, I, I, 18, due to several complications, but ultimately she, she had developed kidney disease and I relate to that helplessness of seeing your loved ones, right? Like they're deteriorating, right? Because of whatever chronic disease they might have. And you feel helpless, powerless. And yeah, I just, man, I wish I could do more. So it's inspiring that you took that as a driver to pursue this as a path. And I'm curious, did you find what, the meaning that you were looking for? Did you find the, that feeling of fulfillment as you were going through the program, cancer research? And what were some of the, I guess, biggest, biggest lessons that, that you learned throughout that part of, of your career? The biggest lesson? Every, a lot of studies are done during the preclinical trials, like the preclinical stage. And then it's like a funnel. Then you, the very few can enter phase one. And then even more few fear that could actually could end the, the last stage of clinical trials to production. And even after that, talking about that scholarship that brought me to Canada, I was working on a specific drug from AstraZeneca. It was a drug supposed to work on mental cell lymphoma. Mental cell lymphoma is a very rare B cell lymphoma cancer. Really, it is more, it's more. Most of the patients are like 74 years old, 75, older male. And mm-hmm. the reason of that is that in the cell cycle, 
think of the brake. They're one of the brake that's broken, one part of the gene. And that drug's supposed to stop that gene. Stop that. So I thought, yes, I have a drug that actually works and it's a simple model. I would do it. But this is always a turn. In phase one, that drug then discontinued because it was too toxic. It mm. was, too, yeah. So, oh my God, I've been working on this for so many years. And now there's, there's always a race who can publish faster. And now what, what I'm going to do is what's going to happen next, right? The drug been discontinued. It's too toxic and human. So pivot. I would say the biggest lesson I learned is pivot. Take what you have learned and see what other application that you have out there. So it's hard muscle cell cycle. I, I start working on cell cycle inhibitors and see if there's any personalized medicine feel to work on this, this particular cell cycle uh, lymphoma. Say that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't get discouraged. Pivot when at the times and you're stuck and look for other um, venues, ventures. Yeah. That's such a great lesson that it can be helpful for life, right? Because we all pivot, right? We all have transitions and we gather data. We look at the data and we say, okay, this is helpful or I guess any data is helpful, right? But is this in the right direction, right? And if it's not, then you got to pivot, right? So yeah, pick yourself off the ground, dust it off, just keep going. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So that requires a lot of patience, <laughs> a lot of experimentation. Did you, at, at any point, did you feel like, oh man, this is not the career path that I thought it was going to be? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what what well, kept what you going? That? It's during, I felt like I love human to human interaction. I love talking to people. Mm-hmm. I love helping people directly instead of hiding myself in the lab, like, like petri dishes or just mice. <laughs> it's more interesting when you step to the, the front of the customer or the clients or etc. I Yeah, it's just that feeling of you want to have a direct help mm-hmm. and seeing that smile or satisfaction on your face. That kind of keeps me going. I love that. Where, yeah. where does that come from? Have you always been that way? Or was there a particular moment where, where you realized, you know what? People are important and I, I, I love talking to people. I love seeing the impact. Um, I'm always curious about that. In my, well, pull back my time in Taiwan, I was working on a, another drug, <laughs> another study, like a study with Roche. And at that time, for master, it was like 200 people Mm-hmm. It was not cancer. It was, sorry, lithermite arthritis. 200 mm-hmm. people study. I had to collect um, their 24-hour urine samples, have blood, monthly visits, and see, and see if there's any biomarkers that I can track that can correlate to this disease progression. So I had to do from the front of questionnaire all the way to x-ray, MRI, everything. Mm-hmm. But my favorite part was actually talking to the clients, the, 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 the customers, the, the patient. We built such a strong relationship with that two years that I felt I finally stepping up to be more than just a scientist in the lab. And how can you convince them to collect those, <laughs> those samples for you, right? And just listen to them, their pain point. And I think that was the spark of me. Like, yeah. I can see the smiles on my patient's face. I love doing these clinical works. 
and instead of don't know if these basic research studies will help the clients directly. But this is where I see the sparks. Like I really like to see that smile. I really want to see build that relationship with my people. I I love the level of self awareness as you were going through it. You were paying attention to the things that you resonated with, the things that you lean into, um, and that's it's super helpful to try to practice that, especially in this day and age, right? Like getting to know yourself, getting to know what problems you want to solve, getting to know what do you lean into, right? Are you a people person or, or are you more of a operations in the back kind of kind of person, right? Because that's going to help you determine, right? What kind of jobs, what kind of even courses or education you, you pursue, right? So I love that, uh, You've been self-aware, what it seems from very early on. Yes. And it's being more helpful if you can put yourself in the customer's shoes. I think that's whatever stage or whatever department you're in, or mm-hmm. always think of back of why we're here to why we're here. What's this product about? How yeah. Why the customer choose us, why they're staying with us, why they left. All these like deep down. And kind of understanding their needs is very important mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. yeah. So you spent about eight, 10 years with that program, your cancer research, and then yeah. you made the pivot into business. Maxol, which is a company that you recently exited. You were there for about 11, 12 years. Yeah. What was that tra- <laughs> how, was that, how was that transition? Because you... Couple questions here. How how was that transition, right? And how what you learned through cancer research? What were some of the things that you brought into starting this new venture? Right. Let's start there. Right. What prompted this change for you? And what were some of the things that you brought from your cancer research into business? Let's talk about the turning point. Yeah. What made me at that time? I was I, gr- I was a graduate student doing a part-time photography job at Maxwell. That's mm-hmm. how it all started. And by being a photographer, you're entering the client's home. You're there to digitalize all of their access. So you're going through their, their things in the house. Right. You get to meet the clients face-to-face. And then you listen to the customer stories directly from firsthand. They talked about, oh, how this beautiful bone china was inherited for his grandmother. Or this dining room table was actually a gift from a wedding, like passed down. See, hearing all these wonderful customer stories and see what they really believe in the value, right? You must have been to an antique roadshow, which is, oh, yes, this is going to, this is a family heirloom that's going to um, do X. Or recently in Sotheby's, there's a $25 million hole, like China. We think everybody had that treasure, but the idea of the value, it's so intriguing to me that because, to be honest, the but is that when the grandma talk about her china and how much she pre- preserved it, like she wants her children to take it. She wants her grandchildren to take it. Mm-hmm. Most of the family members don't want, don't want it. And if you step back, most of our 80% in the household items, you're not going to get the anti-roadshow jackpot. Most of the things, just yeah. to be honest, is modest. But the value perception of every single customer or 
the 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 desire of passing down that is I feel like it's it's lost. Like the grandchildren doesn't want it. So what happens? She that was my desire to help her. The original grandma, the customer, to have somebody who can cherish her china, to cherish her dining room table, not necessarily by her grandchildren, but by another person. Mm-hmm. So that's when I thought that Max Soul can help her. Is the product is designed to help the customer move on to her life or their lives, and get rid of the get rid of the stuff that's stopping them away. Mm-hmm. And to connect them with the person or the buyer who will cherish for life. So to quickly get that out of the way, but also find a next buyer for who can treasure this China for life or have another use of it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I want to help this. I want to make this better. I want to call to the customer needs. I want to do this. That's how I got my started up in this little startup pre-seed at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... We were just a little Kingston online auction company. And later on, we expand to North America and with 800 employees and helping people in 35 metros and et cetera, et cetera. Like all these having, how can I solve this? How can I make it simpler? How can I make it better, et cetera? And that's really how I really ended Maxwell kind of 11 years later. Love it. But let's, let's back up. So you were doing photography. How did you... Get started with that. Were you always into photography or at some point did you pick it up and then you started as a real side business? Oh, it's funny that the stereotype of uh, Asian have a photographer. If you go with me to a restaurant, my my camera eats first. Okay, noted. (laughs) I just love um, the, I've always been in in a photography club. I love the black and white and the the process of developing your own film and and pictures and seeing the world in the Netherlands, mm. the beauty, the noticing the details, right? And just changing lens and perspective. That's, I found the beauty of photography just right there. And also documentary. Remember my beautiful, and yeah. Any picture that, that you've taken that stands out to you? Stands out to me. The I, one that they remember the most. It was my probably first year in <laughs> Is the symmetry of, if you see those gates, like you those round, yeah, round gates, but mm-hmm. you take a picture of this side, but what if you take a picture from the other side? We're looking up in the stairway. If you see mm-hmm. those symmetry, those um, simplicity of structures. Mm-hmm. And I noticed myself love taking pictures of reflection. So there's this one f- photograph that I took of a cat staring outside with the reflection on the window and that got me first place i can still of the, of the contest yeah that's awesome it's important to always have something that like a hobby or, or interest right and let that come out right because we all have this creative expression that needs to come out like this podcast is, is a creative expression right photography is a creative expression because a lot of people reprimand that don't let it out and, and, and i think that's not a way to live right because we all have this creative need to just express how we view the world their perspective right starting a business that, that's another way to express our our creativity right that's awesome i don't see that anywhere so i was like huh i'm curious how she picked that photography 
Oh, so you fell in, in love with what MapSoul was about, with solving the problem for that particular customer. Then what happens next? Like, how, how did you come on board? Were you more of a generalist or did you end up picking up customer success along the way? Yeah, let's unpack that, right? What were some moments, perhaps oh. uh, a challenging moment that were like, man, I want to quit. <laughs> what, what am I doing? We talked about creativity. We talked about problem solving. Yeah. <laughs> and one of my supervisor and mentors said, Emma, you just have to throw her in a blank space for her a problem and she can solve it. That's kind of like how I came along with Maxwell. At that time, we were only like three desks in a corner of a warehouse. And mm -hmm. yeah, what was, I found that when everybody's like working on sales or marketing operation, what's mm -hmm. been dragging them, dragging their foot was actually the reactive support. Mm -hmm. Right. If you right. think of, yeah, because once you brought them in, mm -hmm. that first level of service is actually support because when they have a problem with the, like the app, how to log in, or they need a place to share their opinion or have some feedback or et cetera, or things. And that was a missing link we had instead of, we have, so that was my first my challenge is to build a support department. That was mm -hmm. it. And looking through call centers, so India, Sri Lanka, or we ended in there's other places like Belize, et cetera. So I have all these call center experience, mm -hmm. but, and then setting a process, my scientists mean, come up, where's the SOP? Okay. Where is this? How can I make things faster or automated? We don't need to do this. Customer needed us. They need FAQ page. They need this. So going through what the tools can provide us, like we use Zendesk for our support team, the ticketing mm -hmm. system. How does she said what triggers? How how do we know that we're actually serving customers? So then the NPS surveys, the those came out. Now they're on. Okay, Emma, let's build a marketing department. Like, okay, so with that customer in mind, how can you talk to them in a way that per se they talk to your needs, their their deep value, right? I feel mm -hmm. like that's where marketing comes in. And so I was working. <laughs> With marketing, build up marketing team, offshore it, and also SLP, but also try to make it, always think of how can I make the message simpler to digest? So one of the things I learned from my science space stage, my scientist background is my supervisor would say, Emma, you're great at doing experiments because you can produce a lot of data. But now explain this to me, simple word, mm. no. Where's the story behind this? Show, don't show me a chart. Show me a story. Why you do this? What you're trying to achieve? Got all these, that really challenged me to think like, what does the customer want? Or this is data aligned with the insight we're trying to get. Or I'm, am I doing the right way, right? I'm not there just to produce data. I'm there to think of how to push forward or send down the measures that somebody can consume or have a positive back or central something there has to be an outcome or a, a action after this yeah 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 that's so important and a, a lot of people get lost in that too i've been there myself where i'm doing experiments collecting data but there's no real story right yes. there's no there's gaps of data um like why are you doing this right so what, <laughs> yeah. what's the outcome what's insight what's the yeah. take on message has to be something because it's so easy to get lost in dashboard that's oh yeah and collect data everybody loves surveys but what's coming out of this survey? Yeah, yeah. What are they telling us? I'm picking up that you're someone that 
if if you see a gap, if you see a problem, like you step in and build zero, zero to one, right? Like processes, where's the SOP? How do we build this out with the tools that we have? How do we automate? And yeah, that's a great way to approach gaps and problems. And I think it's a great mindset if whether you have a job right now or you're in your job search, or even if you're an entrepreneur building a business, right? Just having that mindset of, where are the gaps? What are the problems? Can I solve it? And if I can't, can I bring a team or can I automate some things and make it more scalable and efficient, right? I think that's super helpful, not just for business, but also for your career. Yeah, talking about how customer success coming to end, do a little history. In Max Sold, always, everything was based on project. It was like, okay, assign a client. Now we have an auction that we need to host in, in the month. And how do you step forward? When do you schedule a team? When do you do this? When do you do that? It's like everything like a clockwork is very project-based. But like you said, the gaps, it's really easy to get lost in the details. Let's think mm -hmm. about efficiency and et cetera. Mm -hmm. So about six years ago, five years ago, I found the biggest thing. At that time, the, the tagline was sell everything simply. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to can see. It's very project-based efficiency and all that. But it's not talking to the customer. With the pain point that I just, the turning point is that the needs of the customer. What the, is, is missing there? Something missing. So about six years ago, we changed our core value. And it's really about how to extend the lifehood of your treasures. Like that's this real story of the downsizing. How can I pass on this treasure to the next generation? How can I eliminate waste? How can I be more sustainable future, et cetera? From the, if you think of the brand strategy, it's from the, the head, actually down to your heart and your gut. And that's where a real brand or product should be. Seeking directly to the core or the heart of customer needs. At that time, we put, instead of product-based linear, put the customer in the center. And that's when customer success happens. Okay, now I come from support, marketing, IT. Now we have a customer in the center. Can we build something around the customer? And I see that excitement of everybody coming in to help them solving for the customer. Not just only thinking about, oh, have an auction coming in, project coming in, and hit the deadline. So I see the, the evolution of customer success and also see this in the industry as well. Yeah, it's crazy to me that customer success and just the customer-led Companies, they're having a time right now. But to me, because I, I grew up, my parents have a small business and I grew up watching my mom just put the customer at the center. And it was one of the favorite stores on that block. And because she always put the customer first, like she always go above and beyond. And that's been instilled in me since early on to hear that in B2B is like, oh, customer led, it's like getting a moment today. I'm like, shooting. It always have been the customer first anyways, right? which, which is very yeah. well to me. Uh, hey, it's, I'm glad that it's happening, right? Because ultimately any piece of technology, any tool at the end of the day, it needs to solve a problem for the customer, right? And if it's not doing that, then you can have the best tool out there. It's, it's not helpful, right? All right. So you building out Maxol for 10 plus years, right? What was the decision? to transition out of it. You know, what, what made you decide, you know what, I, I think I've run scores. 
I'm ready to move on to whatever the next thing is. I um last year we had a uh, opportunity. So me, my husband is the CEO of Maxold. We I'm the secret under table <laughs> janitor, I would call myself. My title is because this particular <laughs> Yeah. So last year today we we left the company together, really. It was a chance of it was opportunity for exit that at time. We I see the company been supported by it's a time to take it to the next level. And we were fortunate to uh, hire a new COO last year from eBay. So he was the one who set up the shipping and this is Ross. Uh, it, he was amazing. So I thought it was, you want to keep going was the moment for you to step down, then let the stage for other people to thrive. That's how I, I felt. And also at that time, I think, I would like to venture something else and see what's out, out there. Is I've been putting on the gas pedal for 11 years. It was a moment to take my feet off. It was a look and kind of reconnect what we want. And that's where I am today. It's amazing. It's one of the things that people struggle with, and I've struggled with this in the past, is we wrap up our identities into what we're doing now right and if you've been doing something for 10 plus years you can't help but have your identity wrapped up in in that particular business project in some way right so i'm wondering if you had similar struggles when it comes to coming to terms to i guess let go of the identity and adopting a new identity like the emma post max sold to be honest i struggled a lot. Mm -hmm. And that was the main thing I'm trying to rebuild myself over the past few months. Because it's been 11 plus years. It's been always breathing in and out everything I think of for right. so long. Yeah. But but I, I enjoy not getting up and get that 8 a.m. morning. <laughs> oh yeah, I can actually go enjoy time with my family, with my kids. They have a splashback party next week. I can actually finally join uh, a time with the, like connecting with other parents or et cetera, or playing sandcastle with my kids on the beach. It's just that it was a lot. Like you've been tied yourself to that salary, that title, mm -hmm. to that achievement. You have that. But that doesn't, what really, it was an aha moment for me is that those doesn't represent you. Mm. You're not equal to title. You're not equal to, to achievement. Yeah, you're you are you as a whole, and people love you as the Emma you see or the Cesar you see on somewhere else. Is that and if for any one thing I miss the most is my team. I miss my people. I miss working with them. I miss collaboration. That's kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah, collaboration with other humans, I think it doesn't get any better than that. Um, and one of the things, it's a challenge, right? Because out there, you get judged by, especially if you're looking for a job or your next career, you get judged by your previous job titles. And I really don't like that. But unfortunately, that's how most people, especially the people that don't know you, right? Especially if you're trying to break into a new company, right? They will judge you based on your past job titles. And I just wish that wasn't the case. 
that's why I'm a big believer into, sure, resumes are a thing, right? But I think what speaks more is if you can reach out to someone and explain, hey, basically help other people connect dots, right? Because they're a piece of paper or, or your LinkedIn profile, it might come short. So I'm a big believer in taking control of owning your own story and helping other people connect the dots and explaining, hey, this is why this will be the next best step for me, joining a company or starting a company, right? Because that's, it's a hurdle, right? Trying to get past that, that hurdle of people looking at your job title and saying, oh, Emma is this or Caesar is this. But I'm much more than that. <laughs> yeah, I found if there's one skill I wish I'd pick up more is the storytelling skill. How can you tell your story that's your own value or how do you shine and all, all mm -hmm. the things? I think that's what's connected with the human directly. That connection, the storytelling skills is so important right now. Yeah, yeah. especially with AI and the old fake things <laughs> popping up here and there. Um, yeah. which is, I'm a big believer that I think down the road, I think relationships and connections are going to be the only thing that we have that's important, right? Because then AI is going to help automate processes and all of this, but the connections that you get to build with actual humans, I think that's going to be the most important part with a team, with your coworkers, with your family. Yep. And innovation, when it mm -hmm. comes for two different fields, clash with each other, the new ideas, the brainstorming session. Right. And I think those, the human ability to, to innovate, that's something that uh, I still truly believe in. Yeah. With customer success, obviously customer is at the center, right? Um, but is there any strategies that work for you in terms of bu building up that function uh, and reducing churn and increasing that lifetime value of a customer? Anything that, that comes to mind that you can share? I think when we look at the definition of customer success, simply customer success managers is your trust advisor. Mm -hmm. how, if you must have heard of this, right? Yep, Relationship all the builder. All right. You're supposed to upsell. You're supposed to expand. All these things. I think advisor, trust, is, you earn it. It's not something that you throw on a hat and say, I'm your, your advisor today. It's, you earn that title. It's not something... And before you earn it, there's, if you think of the customer hierarchy of needs, right? Mm -hmm. I can do, be the best uh, relationship builder out in the world. I can have host lavish dinners. But if my basic need of my customers, the basic part, which is my product's not working. It, yeah. Or it's too expensive or something. That base foundation is not there. How can I go up to be the strategic or the commercial role? So. I would say customer success is a big hat to wear, but you have to look at the entire process or the entire product. You see, we have satisfied those basic needs and kind of building up the building blocks going up. Then you can have earned that title. Then you earn the trust. You, the customer um, feel the value that you're providing them. Then we can talk about so a renewal, etc. Yeah, it's so fundamental, right? About earning that trust, it's the foundations for everything that comes after it. Yes. And I think a, a lot of people want to jump in or, or skip that or not give it the importance that it requires. 
but building trust, right? So you got to show up for your customer every single day. Yep. You have to have a um, solid product that doesn't crash or things of the, how the customer land on your landing page from the start from there. It's not just, oh, I got this account and I'm start building trust. Yeah. It's a building community too. I feel like a lot of people want that to be like a quick, uh, quick win, but it's it's long term. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I want to try a, a rapid fire round here to to wrap up the uh, the episode. Um, and basically, I'll ask you a question and you give me your top of mind answer. I think it's a fun little way to to wrap up the episode. Um, ready? Go on. Let's All right, it. let's do it. Is there any media that has influenced your life? And when I say media, it could be a book, it could be a podcast, it could be a course. If it's different things if it's a media last year was linkedin it opened my eyes to the world wow i have so many different people knowing different industry and seeing different perspectives mm-hmm. from different lands of the world it's very eye-opening however this year it was a book for me it was it was called one word one word so instead of setting up your new real resolution think of the one word you want to be want to do is a verb, is a non that you want to, you set yourself up to and going forward. And this year I set myself as, I want to transform. Mm. I want to be like water. I want to be, there. at the beginning was water because I want to, there's so many different forms of water. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And, but I think the underlying of water is transformation. And this is, I set myself journey to, I want to transform to somebody better beyond my job titles, beyond my soul. I want to do something forward and, or see, change the light, um, the way I see life or see myself and believe myself. Like I'm, yes, this is a world that keeps changing, but I believe myself, I can transform myself to keep up the change or be ahead or et cetera. So transformation, that one word. So for other people it was activate, for other people it was anything. If you believe in that one word and you align your plan, your actions towards it. Okay. I love that. I love that. My one word for this year is unstoppable. And yeah, I think I'm doing okay so far. <laughs> yeah, but I'm a big believer too in the one in the power of the one word and just having it visually too. I, I have it uh, on my wall here and I, and I look at it and it's like, okay, yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to be unstoppable. Sing the song, Unstoppable. <laughs> no, I haven't made it that far yet. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, Emma. Next, next question here. One of the most worthwhile investments that you have made recently, right? And when I say investments, this could be something financial. It could be a relationship or it could be maybe a physical thing that you bought yourself that's been super helpful. All right. Last this year, I guess I want to work on myself. I hired a life coach, a health coach. And to to some people, it's like, what's the difference between, so there's different rules between advisor, coach, and consultant, all these things, mm-hmm. or even, so such a vague idea, why you want to hire a life coach? But I would, I made an investment on myself that I want to work on this. And together at each session, that's the only thing I work on. Not many people like have that um, luxury to invest like a life coach or working on long session. But I think mm-hmm. it's worth worthwhile if you can start investing yourself in different ways to work on your 
the wholesome or the mental health and take it better care of yourself. That's uh, I think is very important. So they can burn out or knowing what you really want, etc. Yeah, I love coaches because they hold you accountable, accountable. even yeah. when you know what to do. Because yes. a lot a, a lot of people know what to do, but they don't do it. Right. Yes. So with a with a coach, holds you accountable. Now I I I know this is rapid fire, but I'm I'm curious because how did you know you found the right coach? Because I I have had coaches in the past, and it's pretty even, right? Some of them were good. Some of them were not a fit. I'm not going to say bad because I don't think there's bad coaches. I just think there's bad fits. How do you find, do, do you feel that like it's the right fit for you? Because I feel like a lot of people struggle with finding the right coach and then they blame the program. Oh, this program sucked, whatever, but maybe it wasn't the right fit. So I'm curious what that experience has been for you. Um, my name dropped her name. How I met Lynn is <laughs> through another... LinkedIn. Our I know. LinkedIn. This is our LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. And she was talking about the servant leadership, which is kind of like, my, I feel mm. like that's my leadership style as well. Yeah. Being the servant, being the support, being the backbone of the team. But when I look into her profile and what she talks about deeper is, wow, she also was at her previous job for 10 plus years. And now she's through that same journey. So you can, mm. I feel related. So I start asking her a question, like, how, how do you change your mindset? How, what, what's the things that you do? Why, why did you switch? All, all these questions. I see. So you related to with her values, with, with her for, message. Yeah, with her message. Yeah. And really uh, be open. I, I think a lot of, I think a lot of coaches is that, she, I think you said holding accountable, right? That's mm -hmm. one thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and someone else and, told me, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. No, so, someone else told me, beware of the coach that tells you what to do versus asking you the questions. Yes. And I thought that was powerful. <laughs> yeah, that's very, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. That's so, another thing I would say invested in, another thing I invested in self is a continuous learning, professional yeah. development does. When you're in your field for so long, let's say it's customer success, right? You lose that sight of what are the other departments working on. So I invest myself in the professional communities and developments and learn like revenue operations, marketing, finance, all these things. Like, oh, that's what it looks like from the other world. <laughs> what, are, yeah. what are some of the best places that, that you've gone to? I think I saw Pavilion on your Yes. Instant. Yeah. I started, yeah, it was Pavilion. And mm -hmm. I also joined other ones, for example, Section 4. With, if, uh, Professor G. Yes, Professor <laughs> G. <laughs> and if and also I joined um, CIA, uh, sorry, SIA, Sales <laughs> Impact Academy. Yeah. So what I can tell with all of these three different things is the best course out of all these I took was actually was Professor G's brand strategy. Yeah. Yeah. It was really because I was meeting people from different industries, even mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. just the B2B sales and marketing. I met people from Disney. I met people for all these crazy industry from the soda stream. <laughs> and That's all these wild. things. Well, because now you're not only in your cocoon, you're actually meeting other people. Yeah. But the best part of that 
brand strategies, I think any brand strategy, they think of the core value of what you're serving. What is it you're trying to serve? What's mm-hmm. the ultimate? What is it? So everything I look now is kind of like the targets that circle. Like what is the main? What is like how do you differentiate with other people or how do you what is it? So that brand strategy courses keep in my mind when I look at things different differently. And also yeah, yeah. help me in customer success, right? Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Yeah. Now next question here. There's a quote on your LinkedIn. And I think it goes turning your why into what if. What if. Yeah. yeah. What does that mean to you? I watch what if. So it's, I, this comes, the first thing that come in mind was the, the, this, we have a problem to solve. What if we do something differently? Mm. Why the customer have this need? What if we do it this way differently? But also it goes back to Chris never split the difference. Why mm. is a very strong word when you it's come from why you do this, right? It's very accusing. But if you change a question to a different way, how about we do this? What if we do this? Is it more approaching? It's more you let the listener or whoever conversation is more open. Yeah. So the two different aspects I see in that, that's that headline I, I set for myself. I want to be more collaborative. I want to find a solution for a problem but also open my mind to other possibilities, et cetera. And I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. What if we yeah. get Emma on the podcast, right? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Two more questions and then we'll get, we can wrap it up. Is there any new habit that you have been practicing lately that has been impactful in your day-to-day routine? New habit I started. Or perhaps an old habit that you're trying to practice and perfect. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm, we talk about, oh, chat GTP. Mm. <laughs> There's a joke about everything now is this or that. So my curiosity, what can I do beyond just writing content stuff? What is this? So I started learning about plugins. I started learning about how, what can I do more with me? Mm-hmm. I love playing around with mid-journey, creating my own image. Having I've seen that. that. And I see, I think Lyndon Murphy said that writing prompts will be like kind of, kind of like your requirement as your, one of your skills get as a CSM. Right. It's like how to write better prompts. And I also see the application on business with ChatGPT. We see more and more, let's say, GameSide, Zero, all these big platforms mm-hmm. are adapting AI and how to create more effective messages or align data insights, et cetera. So there is that element of that. I just want to learn more about this trend and technology. That's where I am. Love that. I'm in the same boat. I'm sticking with ChatGPT for now because everything else sounds overwhelming. And of course, with the podcast itself, the script and other tools that have incorporated AI into it. Um, But I found it to be super helpful if if you have a, a specific project and how can you incorporate AI into that project, right? Because then you have an end goal instead of just trying different tools and you have nothing really concrete, right? You're just trying them out. Um, yeah. But but also have that doubt. Double check your information. Yes. <laughs> yes. Apparently a lawyer was sued by using ChatGPT create their case was like based on. It can be. <laughs> yeah. So there's, yeah. So be, yeah, be careful. Move with caution. That's what I would say. Absolutely. 
Awesome. And one, one last question here. What advice would you have for other ambitious professionals, either starting off with a career or perhaps someone that is pretty advanced in their career and maybe they're looking to pivot? What advice would you have for them as it relates to navigating their own career and navigating the transitions in, in, in their life? Going back to pivot. So <laughs> be willing to pivot. Be willing to learn from your failures. Failure is not a failure. It's just a lesson that life throws you to learn. And if you don't learn it, it's just hitting you until you learn it. So I start seeing that as well. Yeah. Just be willing to pivot, be humble, and just keep learning. Yeah. Yeah. There's no end stage of life that you, oh, I'm the best in the world or et cetera. It's always that something whoever is better than you and you always can learn from people you said held your set of you yeah you know yeah, pivoting and the research mindset right it's an experiment what's the data telling you and then yeah. what's helpful what's not love that awesome Emma. thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing a bit more about your journey with us it's been fun getting to know different phases of, of different stages of your life and yeah if people wanted to reach out to you what's like the best way to to get a hold of LinkedIn submiss. Just send me a message on LinkedIn. Yeah. Awesome. We'll make sure to add it to the show notes. But yeah, for, for now, th thanks so much for coming on the show and we'd love to catch up down the road to see where we're at. But for now, thank you. Me, thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for listening all the way through. I appreciate you and I hope that you got some valuable information that you can apply to your personal and professional life. If this story resonated with you and you would like to support the podcast, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode. Bye.